everyone, and welcome to episode 615 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Ready to do a podcast? I need to work harder to keep the intro voice throughout the entirety of the podcast. Ooh, well, you are a commentator, so you, if anyone can do it, it's you. That's right. If anyone can do it, it's me, but nobody else does it. No, you know, it's like... Uh, the intro to the show got to be up got to bring yep. people in and then once yep. you're in eh, things get a little bit more laid back a little bit more loose a little bit more relaxed you know yep. i love to do my intro totally tense and you know repressed and then right. i loosen up for the show so yep it's been it's been 10 years you know eventually yeah it'll be like old hat to you yep i have a few old hats around here so i know what you're talking about mm-hmm I only have two. I don't like to keep too many hats around. Like once I get like a third one, like one of the other ones has to go. Oh, yeah. You and it's not like I throw them away. They just go in the closet, like out of sight, out of mind, or oh. they're too small. They don't fit my giant melon head anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is it growing like Barry Bonds's was there for a while? Your well, head is still growing. Uh, you said Barry Bonds. I was going to say more like Ken Griffey Jr. from the Nerve Tonic, but <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's. I think it's more so from the fact that I haven't had a haircut in almost a year. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was because you were roiding up. No, I could go on cycle. You know, right. I know how to do it. You just, you just, uh, you know, and you don't lift. That's the key. <laughs> right. You just let the magic do its work, you know? <laughs> Better living through chemistry. That's right. Uh, so, hey, let's get into the show this week. Enough of this shenanigans, huh? Right. So, uh, hey, what's going on over at Oni Press? Uh, why are so many indie companies being weird? Right. And uh, an interesting story and maybe uh, some clarification and some discussion on some news that came out recently regarding the Zack Snyder Justice League film and how the uh, Snyder cut really came to be. Yes. Uh, we have what we read from this past week, uh, which includes Rogues number three and Daredevil number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, we have the results and the next matchup for the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue. Uh, we also have Todd's Art Attack. I know that for real this time. Yep. Uh, and we have the uh, season finale of Ms. Marvel to discuss. Yep. Should be a short show. Oh, and there we go. Uh, put the clock at six hours. <laughs> right. So this was a story that was developing as we were recording last week. But it was one of those things that, like, didn't officially kind of shake out until we were done, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where uh, I don't like to uh, go to go to press as we do uh, until like everything is kind of out there, you know? Right. So you could do your due diligence and look stuff over. Yeah. Um, so there was a bunch of things that happened recently over at Oni Press slash Lion Forge. Lion Forge was a separate uh, all ages imprint that Oni purchased maybe about four years ago. Um, recently, the owners of Oni Press were pushed out of the company, citing that a book that they publish um, was being charged with obscenity laws mm -hmm. due to its content. 
And then shortly after that, when the new regime came in, some of the other folks were citing that they were not being paid or behind on pay, uh, you know, up to 30 days plus behind on what they were originally told they were supposed to be paid, right? Mm-hmm. So again, this is all just talk. This is all just scuttlebutt. This is, you know, nothing really officially and confirmed yet, right? Right. So then um, it further comes out that Oni Press, who were supposed to have space on the floor at San Diego, uh, last week pulled out of that space. And it's been taken over by a completely unrelated company. Uh, nothing to do with Oni Press. And they essentially, you know, put out a statement uh, stating that we recently made some personnel changes and will continue its mission of publishing groundbreaking stories by the best creators in the industry with a focus on diverse, inclusive, and unique stories. But this also took to a lot of folks uh, that worked for Oni Press uh, recently or in the past or currently kind of coming out and saying like, Hey, what's going on is real messed up. Um, you know, if you need any help, let us know. Um, and it just kind of stinks in this day and age to see, you know, what was a prominent indie publisher kind of start falling through the wayside. I know we covered this story a couple months back with Action Lab. And now to see another company kind of go through these woes. And, you know, obviously it's been a rough two, three years for everyone. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just it just stinks to see, like, people who are in the trenches working hard making indie books. And Oni wasn't, like, a low-end one. Like, they had, like I mentioned before, Colin Bunn was there. They had the Rick and Morty license. Um, you know, I know former guest of the show, Kyle Starks, had done stuff for them. Um, you know, they had a lot of big-name talent and big-name creators, and they acquired another company. And yeah, it just sucks. Wasn't uh, uh, Kevin Smith at Oni for a while? That was way, way back right. in the day. Right. Yeah, well, we were just talking about the talent that they have had over the years. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I remember when they had, like, the Clerks comics when it was relevant. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was back in, like, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. Like, that, you that's know. Like how far it goes back. That's why I was yeah. thinking of that. Like, that's really what I think of when I think of Oni. That's, that's how bad it is. But, uh, yeah, and it's sad because the, the things, like you were saying, the things that it, it – you know, nobody knows who to talk to about getting paid. You know what I mean? Because the 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 people have shuffled, and you you see creators on Twitter like, oh, like I have an email now. Contact me, so I'll get it to you, so you you can see who you contact. And like I like you said, it's like, all right, the company the company is what it is. I, I want to see it go on. But like independent creators, like live like some live hand to mouth, and that's that's what sucks. You know what I mean? Like you want to see these guys get paid in an already like hard to, to work in industry and they don't need any, any boat rock. And like you said, especially with the last two years. So like I said, I hope they, they turn the ship around, but I don't like to talk bad, but I don't know. I don't see, I don't see Oni coming back from this. So it, it, and again, I know nothing. I haven't talked to anyone. I just see what's going out there, what Oni has put out and what some of the creators have put out. And it looks as though Oni is going to continue, but obviously in a much different way than they had in the past. Mm-hmm. And it definitely feels as though that they're just like cutting their losses with these creators, like, and just saying like, hey, we're just not going to pay what we owe these people. And like, we'll just let the courts decide because that'll give us six months, 12 months, 18 months to figure out how, how and where we're going to get the money and just move forward. 
and hope yep. to build capital. So when that six, 12, 18 months comes up, we might be able to go to like probate court or like pay pennies on the dollar just to get these people off our backs. Yeah, we get a, what's that old saying? We get an interest-free loan for that time. Yeah. And uh, it's just, you know, you, you had mentioned before about independent creators, comic creators, people that aren't like exclusive deals. You know, I've always joked in the past when my super secret science job has gone through different changes and so forth over the last like 10 plus years. And I would always say it's one of those things where I would wake, you know, I have direct deposit. I wake up on a Friday morning <laughs> and my check's not in my thing. I ain't going to work, you know? And like, I have enough of a cushion and I have enough of a life that I could do that, you know? And granted, thankfully it never came to that, you know? Yep. I remember you telling me all that. Right. And it never came to that, but an independent creator can't do that. You know, mm -hmm. they can't be like, well, I'll do this work. And my deal is my work is going to be for months and months and months and something's going to get solicited and then people are going to order off it. And then after everything is ordered and there's a final order cutoff date and they know how much my thing was, then in 30 days after that, I get paid on it. And then those 30 days don't come. And you're talking about a creator that has worked for months on a project. And then now they're just being told like, yeah, you're just not getting paid for it. Right. I know if it was me, and again, obviously it's not, um, but there's so many other, and who knows what the contracts are and who knows how these things sort of work. But if I was one of those creators, I'd go get a Kickstarter, a Gumroad. Uh, what's that site uh, that we talk about? There's a Substack, a something, you know? Yep, yep. And just be like, hey, man, I put this stuff out. I'm not getting paid for it. Uh, I'm going to put it up on here. If you want it, pay me directly. Just to recoup something. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, but uh, my hearts go out to those creators. And, you know, I'm always a creator first and company second, no matter how big or small the company is. I I get what you're saying. That's the that's the, the line I always say, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti toes, and I like it, so. Yeah. And this, this always, and you know, and obviously... Uh, it's been like two hours since I've spoken about wrestling. So, uh, yeah. this goes back to the days when, you know, I would go to ECW shows. Um, obviously a lot of the, you know, the, the way the pot worked is I never had an ECW shirt, but I had a Taz shirt and a Raven shirt and a Sabu shirt and a so on and so on and so forth shirt. Um, cause at least in my mind, even then I'm like, well, if I buy that shirt for that guy that they're getting that money, if I buy an ECW shirt, ECW is getting that money the guys that are out there like kill themselves aren't getting that money, you know? Right. And they're already getting my money off the ticket. So at least like, this is my way. And like, even nowadays I, I joke around and I was saying like, oh, I won't buy a shirt without a discount. And most people are very nice enough to be like, Oh, you know, Joe, you've been, you've been here long enough. Shut up. And I'll just give you a free shirt. Yep. Um, but I always say, I'm like, Hey man, go make your money. Whatever's left over, you know, I'd because you're you're gonna you're gonna try to give me a shirt for free or you're gonna try to give me a shirt at cost because you're being a nice person. Go sell your shirt, make as much money as you can, and if you sell sell out, I'd rather you sell out than me have one of your shirts. You know, mm -hmm. go make your money. I agree. All right. So the other bit that came <laughs> out, uh, and this is uh, you know different kind of story, I guess. So um, Rolling Stone reported earlier this week that uh, Zack Snyder specifically 
was behind, involved with uh, using fake accounts on social media to push the release the Snyder Cut um, hashtag whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So there's been discussion in many different forms of how social media works, mostly for the bad. Very rarely do people use social media for the good. Um, and they did point out as, through through the article in that in most accounts in any sort of social media campaign that you see, uh, on average, 6% of the tweets, accounts, etc. involved in whatever that campaign is, no matter how big or how small, 6% are fake accounts. Okay. okay? Whether it be people that they've specifically paid to create multiple accounts through multiple email addresses, searching for certain keywords and kind of boosting those things and working this whole algorithm by finding a tweet or starting a tweet and then using those multiple accounts to kind of just like roll it through the algorithm to push it to the top of Twitter or whatever social media platform it is, 6% on average is fakes. Um, they found that uh, on the Zack Snyder release the Snyder Cut Justice League stuff, it mm-hmm. was closer to 14%. Now, 6% versus 14% isn't a huge number. I guess it's double, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more than double. But the thing is, you know, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of tweets, the difference between 6% and 13 point whatever, whatever, whatever percent is a big difference, right? Yep. And if you, as the creator of said project, are the one kind of behind it trying to manipulate the numbers... So that, you know, and obviously if you're smart enough to manipulate the numbers, I say kudos to you, but I guess also uh, behind the scenes, uh, at least according to the Rolling Stone article, um, quote, uh, the person from the article spoke to more than 20 people uh, involved with both the original and the Snyder Cut of Justice League, uh, most of whom believe that not only did Snyder manipulate the social media campaign. Um, He also was a terror to deal with, would regularly accuse uh, producers and other people involved in the film uh, that he will use his social media base to boycott, uh, get executives fired, uh, make death threats against them, and, quote, um... If they don't do what I'm asking, I will destroy them on social media. (laughs) Boy. Okay. So, again, this is where it goes a little bit deeper. And I will put this little bit of a caveat in here that, yes, um, part of the reason that the movie got changed was Zack Snyder had a very traumatic experience happen in his life, the loss of a child. I don't wish that on anyone, especially in the circumstances under which this happened. However... This feels as though, at least from these reports and the Rolling Stone story, that this is behavior that had been ongoing uh, Mm -hmm. in regards to him being difficult to deal with. But as difficult as he may have been to deal with, he does produce, I guess, money for them. But the fact that he produced money in a way that he manipulated to get that opportunity, there's that word again, um, to get that chance that he no longer had to make these movies again. And his quote in regards to this was, uh, Zack Snyder feels as though it was Warner Brothers who was trying to leverage his fan base unfairly 
to get them under dubious circumstances to subscribe to their new streaming service. Which, all that, like, we could discuss. But without that new streaming service, the Snyder Cut would have never happened. Right. Never happened. So under dubious, that quote, I don't understand because it they, you know, had plans in the works to drop the streaming service. Then, you know, by, you know, the bad timing, it's going to come out, you know, during the pandemic. They don't have anything to really l- kickstart it. So it's like, oh, well, we have this. All we need to do is add the money and let him do his effects, blah, 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 because of the hashtag and put it out. there. Like, that just seems really like a weird quote to me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't know. But go ahead. So it just he feels like a weird guy. Mm -hmm. And he did kind of prove himself to be one, a master manipulator. He played the game and he won. But I, I could definitely see how this coming out can leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Right. And whether it be um, people at Warner Brothers wanting to work with him again, um, another possible studio wanting to work with him again in the near future, um, people who may have been on one side or the other in regards to Snyder fandom. I could see Snyder fans taking offense that they were part of the manipulation. Um, I don't think they will. Okay. And again, I'm just throwing this out here. And then people on the other side can be like, I told you so nobody really wanted this movie. And the sad part is we're still here on this Snyder cut thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's really like, we could discuss a lot of what it is. I'm like, they're still getting mileage. You know, like and clicks out of this Snyder Cut thing. It happened. It did. I think the worst thing that happened of it is it gave like the people who were who were behind Snyder like the worst of the worst. And I'm not talking about like you know I'm not going to be like oh, not every Snyder fan, but uh, just the fact that like it gave them the idea that they they have power over something. And it's like to this day I still see people see people like you know. We should really push to get that second Justice League movie and to give the DC universe back to Zack Snyder. I'm like, that ship has sailed, son. Like, you were lucky. You Be happy with what you got. And I don't begrudge anybody wanting more, but, like, people who literally think that if they get together, Warner, because of this, Warner Brothers is going to cave and give them Justice League 2 how many years? I, it's just very, very bizarre. But like Zach will always, and the other part is Zach will always get work. He's getting his Netflix zombie movies and doing this. It just seems like a very and, weird. And smash. wasn't there a thing? Not to interrupt you. Wasn't there Sorry. like an? Wasn't there an Academy Award this year that was given out for the most like uproarious theater going moment? Yep. And it went to Zack Snyder's zombie movie that he did for Netflix, which wasn't even released in theaters, but through social media manipulation that everyone was aware of and just like was like, yeah, yeah, yeah they they manipulated the numbers. There's nothing we could do about it. Here's your Oscar. Yeah. And I don't know if it was an official Oscar, but yeah, it was all those things in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I, I forget if it got a scene like where Barry runs into the speed force or whatever was another one. And it was just like, yeah, like I I, I'm sorry. No, you know, like it's, it's, it is manipulated. And like anybody who didn't think it was at any point, whether it was six or 14% or more, 
I was like, you're, you're, you're crazy. So I don't know. Like I said, he's still going to get work, but he's not going to get the keys to the castle. Like, forget about that. Right. So uh, Army of the Dead won the inaugural fan favorite award at the Oscars. Right. Uh, It was up against Spider-Man No Way Home, Mm -hmm. Cinderella, uh, something called The Power of the Dog, something else called Tick, Tick, Boom, and something else called Minamata. Mm. Um, It was something that uh, the Oscars did to try to boost viewership and it was a social media campaign and it wasn't like an official like Oscar Oscar but he still did get a statuette over it right and I think a lot of people's whole thing was like everything else was a theatrically released movie and this wasn't so you know six of one half a dozen the other I'm just gonna say on that because I'm not gonna argue like that like Uh, because I have no problem with it going directly to Netflix. That's like if Stranger Things wins an Emmy, I got no problem with that. If it's if they shoot it as a movie and it goes to a streaming platform, I think it should be eligible for the Oscar. Uh, yeah, and I'll even so, get into things like a Stranger Things. You know, we talked about it last week on After Dark, and we talked a little bit off, uh, off air here, where you know you could talk about how cinematic the shooting of it was. But because there's so many other ways to digest, you know, content like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to put all these different caveats in there if you're going to go into award season or you need to make new awards to address those things or you need to let these things, like a Stranger Things or a Netflix-only movie or whatever it is, be treated the same way as a cinematic movie um, or – like just say no to everything, but you have a lot of old timers. Cause that's what the Academy is. There's a lot of people that have been around in the film industry for 30, 40 years that are kind of dragging their feet on this sort of thing. And they don't want that sort of change, you know? Yeah. And that's a whole, like a, a whole nother topic, but I'm like, you know, I I'm like you, Joe, I'm an old too. And I don't like change, but with this, this, these changes, I get it. You know what I mean? I'm not that stubborn and dragging my feet. I'm like, I see how the world's changing when it came to all this and what streaming has done. So like, yeah, get on the boat or, you know, get left behind. Right. I don't know. And I still haven't watched the Zack Snyder cut. So. So I watched the uh, Joss Whedon one in the theaters and it was not great. And I hear the, uh, you know, the Zack Snyder one was better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll never watch it, you know. Right. I, I, I I had to spend 11 and a half hours watching uh, the new season of Stranger Things. Yep. And we talked about this. Like, I saw, you know, you know, do I want to watch a four-hour cut of a movie that I barely liked beforehand? Yeah. Like, and I look at it as, like, there's a four-hour cut. I think we discussed this last week. There's a four-hour cut of Love and Thunder. I don't want to see that either. You know, I like I, I know you do, but like I'm of like we don't need four hour cuts on movies. Like, like let's tone it down a little bit. So I'm with you. So who knows? Maybe we'll get more announcements because this weekend, Todd, mm-hmm. for the first time in almost three years, the real San Diego Comic Con is back. Ooh, not whatever they did back in November. Uh, this is the real deal. And listen, we could sit here 
and I could list off every single person that's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. And it's pretty much everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Lee is going to be there. Kevin McGuire is going to be there. Frank Miller is going to be there. Scott Snyder is going to be there. Dan Slott's going to be there. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be tons of stuff announced, whether it be TV shows or movies or new projects and stuff. That's why the news is a little light these days, mm-hmm. uh, this week, because everyone's kind of like waiting for San Diego. Even like the solicits are usually starting to trickle out by now, you know? Yeah. Uh, for what would be, I think, October or whatever. But because San Diego's here, everything's getting bumped back. Uh, but the thing that I'm most happy about with San Diego this year is the wrestling presence that's going to be there, Todd. <sighs> It's Mattel. been eight minutes since you talked about wrestling. <laughs> Mattel is going to be there announcing a bunch of the new wrestling dolls that they're going to be announcing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been teasing a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, well, it's going to be the first time in the line for this person. Or we're going to do more retros. Or we're going to do this. Uh, Hawkins and Broski are going to be there vendoring themselves. Um, but Broski does need to get to uh, Cleveland uh, on time Saturday night. He's got to drop those titles off and hit the bricks, pal. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all the all the AEW the AEW people are going to be there. Uh, Brian Danielson, paid. what was that? I hope they're getting paid. Uh, I would guarantee that these people are getting paid. Um, I don't know if it's the Sting money or the Sasha Banks money, but you know, close. Um, Brian Danielson's going to be there. Orange Cassidy's going to be there. Uh, Phil from Chicago is going to be there. Uh, and anyone worth their salt. Uh, gets a chance, put a microphone and a camera in front of CM Punk's face and say, uh, how is Elvis? And have you seen him lately? And then you're going to follow up with when he can be back in the ring. Okay. I know what one of those means. So <laughs> write it down. If you, if you need me to answer, everybody else is yelling at their radios. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, but yeah, like you need me to put the link to San Diego Comic-Con in the show notes. I don't think so, but it'll be there, you know, because I have to. No, yeah. Uh, links to soon-to-be-named-network.com is going to be there. All the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, this show, Long Black Heroes After Dark, At Oz with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Porch Talk. Uh, and anytime any of these folks show up on any other shows, they'll show up over at soon to be named network.com as well. Uh, be sure to check out friends of the show and their social media online, whatever presence is. Uh, Mike Sterling's blog over at progressiveruin.com. Uh, Kevin Hellion's uh, blog over at masklibrary.com. Rick Williams' uh, sh- store where he does those cool resin and glow in the dark uh, 3D sci fi wrestling things at free karate chops.storeenvy.com. I think he has stickers now too. So woohoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monster, two longtime listeners of the show, both did self-published comics. Uh, those are links to where you could purchase those or at least reach out to them and find out how you could purchase those. And uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, uh, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop, Comics on the Green. We have a link to their Facebook where they do all of their announcements of books that just came in, books that are coming in, new releases, future releases, information on how to pre-order, information on how to get the back catalog, information on how to sign up for their mail order subscription service, get stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you could get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You could find out all of her progress, her work, 
her commissions, her everything over on her social media. All that stuff is linked up in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where you get these episodes. Yes. Now let's get into what we read from this past week, sir. All right. I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is Rogues Number 3, written by Joshua Williams uh, Williamson, uh, art by Leo Max. Uh, the Rogues team, still in Gorilla City, getting their big score of Gorilla Gold, um, has been separated. Snart is with Sam, who you may know better from Angel and the Ape, who he got the idea for this score. Um, and he ends up just like... Sam ends up figuring out why they're there and he ends up saying, well, Hey, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I was kind of involved in the vault, uh, building. So I kind of have the ins and outs. I can give you all the information you need. Uh, but we're going to make a deal. You do this for me and I'll give you the information. Uh, it's not a good thing that he asked for, but Leonard ends up saying yes. Um, and he ends up finding his rogues and they go in, uh, to, the vault with maybe some misinformation and things don't go exactly as planned, maybe horribly in spots. Um, and they go on the run, but in it, they end up getting a piece of leverage against Grodd, which, you know, also has a part of the deal that, uh, uh, Sam, the ape made with them. And he ends up, uh, you know, uh, Lee, Lee, uh, Leonard is like, oh, we're going to do this. And everybody is starting to line up for or against it. Uh, obviously, Heatwave always seems to be on his side. But uh, I really liked this episode, episode issue more than the last one. I think this is going to be a four-issue miniseries. I think maybe it could have been streamlined to three. Because I think like this is where the action hits. Like They hit the ground running in this one, and we're good to go. I feel like they were spinning their wheels for maybe an issue next issue should conclude it and i'm all for it i'm still a little weirded out by the gangster apes of gorilla city i would have just liked to seen the classic apes of gorilla city you know their kind of deal but the whole mobster take on it I, i'm still not digging but anytime i get the rogues i'm happy so i'm enjoying this oversized black label book yeah, I'm okay. Uh, I've kind of come around on the subversion of what Gorilla City was and is in this mm -hmm. story. Um, you know, three issues into a four-issue miniseries, I'm finally able to come to grips with uh, this is an alternate world's tale with a lot of people that I'm much more familiar with in the main canon DC universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that I initially said, like, oh, it's just an excuse to get some of your favorites to curse, but it's also an excuse to kill off some of your favorites. Spo right. No spoilers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a kind of way of raising the stakes a little bit because really anyone can get bumped off. And uh, I have I have a sinking suspicion. Uh, very few. OK. Hmm. How can I say this? You could say because it it's uh, what do you call it? It's where you think the book's going. It's not fact. Okay. This is this is well again. So where I get into the speculation could reveal some things that happened in this book. Okay. Okay. Let's say the only person who I think is making it to the final page of this story is Bronze Tiger. I actually think the only person making it to the end of this miniseries is golden glider okay see because i was between 
that I was going to say that it's going to be Golden Glider and Bronze Tiger. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, no. I think the story works better if it's just one. I'm like, one or the other, who's going to work better? So that'll be interesting. Like, I, I, I like that your mind kind of went the same way that my mind went with, like, it's going to be a not, a not a survival of the fittest, but it's going to be a last man standing sort of thing. Yep, and it's, to me, of the mind of uh, Snart will always protect his sister no matter what. Yeah. And I think she's going to be the one to betray him. You know what I mean? Like, make yeah. the unconscious cut of them all. And my thing is, and I know this is going to sound bad, but if Bronze Tiger ends up making it, I'm sorry, but, like, he's the new rogue. Yes. And it just seems like, uh, Bronze Tiger makes it. He would, like... He's a rogue in name only. He's a Suicide Squad member, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And, and that's why he's my pick, because he's not a rogue. He's okay. a rogue in name only, and that when push comes to shove, he's going to be the, the one who does, as you, uh, he's going to be the one that maybe he feels Captain Cold neglects or sacrifices or pushes Golden Glider a little bit too far. Uh, whatever happens to her and then Bronze Tiger is like okay this is now this has gone too far I'm ending all of you people I'm giving back our bargaining chip and I'm getting out of here sort of thing Yep, I can see that I can see a lot and I can see other things happening too so like right. I said I'm actually looking forward to that last issue so. yeah yeah and uh, you know obviously the stuff with you'd mentioned about the gorillas specifically Grodd um with them being, and again, you say gangster, but being a little bit more uh, organized in their crime, if you will. Yeah. And he apologizes in this issue for the previous issue, kind of letting that mask slip a little bit. And obviously yeah. I could see in issue four, that mask completely coming off. See, I, do you mean in a good way or a bad, him getting nicer or meaner? Meaner. Oh, okay. Because going back to the old Gorilla Grodd. Ooh, the one that made Wally afraid all the time. Remember that? Yes. He was the one who said, like, of all the all the rogues, I was always like, oh, they have an ice gun and they have you know a fire gun and a weather uh, weapon. He's like, but Grodd, I was genuinely afraid was going to eat me. <laughs> so. Uh, but this has been really fun, and uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to do like a big fancy collection of this when this comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is a oversized black label book. I think it is bi-monthly. Yes. Ish. Uh, so who knows how they're going to collect it, but you know, you can always get these things digitally. Don't forget about that. That is true. Uh, so the other book, uh, that I read, did you get a chance to look at this? I actually surprisingly did get to read this book. Per perfect. So that's Daredevil number one, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, with art by Marco Cicchetto. Yes. Uh, last week, I had speculated, postulated that this was going to be more of a clean break from the previous storyline, and it is, but there's a ton of stuff uh, that they still have to fill you in on of where the certain players are so that we can get moving along with what the new story is. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though that kind of hurt the book a little bit because it did. It is a new number one. It's going to have a lot of new readers, and I think even next month we're getting, uh, or like very, very near in the future, we're getting what would be 
you know, if you take all the reboots and renumberings and everything else like that, like issue 650 of Daredevil here in the next like month or two. Right. So that's going to be like another like jam double sized, you know, new reader sort of issue. Right. 650. That'll probably be a $9 book. Right. You know what I mean? Um, So it's just a lot of like, oh, we're setting up who the new Kingpin is and we're setting up where Wilson Fisk is. And we have this through line through the book of this character. You know, we don't know what their intentions are until it gets to the end of the book. Uh, we have what Matt and Electra's plan is, which is essentially to take down the hand. And the one carrot that's kind of dangling over my head with all of this is that if you're reading, and I am, I know you are reading the Jason Aaron Punisher book, um, that Frank is the head of the hand right now. And if Matt Murdock and Electra are looking to bring down the hand, eventually we're going to get a classic confrontation between Matt Murdock and Frank Castle, which is always a good time for me, yeah. the reader, not for them or the people around them. No, I get you. But like uh, that, I said, I like this, but I, I, I've liked the whole thing before. I just was hoping for like more of a, uh, a clean slate on everything. Right. And reading the book, that was my problem with the book because okay. there, there was like, I went in with the, you know, fresh mind. I like, you know, Chip Zdarsky uh, as it's going like right off the bat. Like, they kind of, like, I don't know anything, like, about what happened in the book other than what you've told me. So, spoilers, spoiler alert, like, in that dark, what was the name of the run? I'm sorry. Devil's Reign. Devil's Reign. I always want to call it Dark Reign. But Devil's Reign, they killed Matt Mur- Murdock's brother, twin brother or whatever. So, in this, they start off, like, pretending that Matt's the twin brother. Yeah. So, so uh, like- while while Matt was wherever... Mm-hmm. doing daredevil things to keep up the public face of who matt murdoch was mike murdoch the twin brother from those stories back in the 60s he had been posing as matt everyone else knew or like no one no one was the wiser but obviously kingpin through all the purple man stuff had forgotten who daredevil was which they get into a little bit here with the bit with him and spider-man which is a throwback to the brand new day Dan slot where everyone forgot Spider-Man's identity until he says like he takes off the mask and then immediately they're all flooded back with all the memories of them. The same exact thing happens in this book. So uh, Kingpin Wilson Fisk, he has like purple man essence in his staff. And when he breaks it, whatever control the purple man had over him dissipates. He remembers that Matt Murdock is Daredevil, which everyone had forgotten. He goes to Matt Murdock's house to kill Matt Murdock, but it's actually Mike Murdock. Right. So all that, you get what I'm saying? Like, yes, that's all very confusing. I don't know if they really explained the uh, purple man, like, you know, a one more day thing. Cause I was like, uh, he's like, all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to tell him who I am. And then it all comes rushing back. And I'm like, all right, I don't understand any of this. And then it goes on. And then that guy shows up who he went to college with. And I'm like, I don't know who this character is. I mean, they explain them. I let's just say, with uh, the, the the fresh start, I was completely lost on a ton of things. And by the time we got to the Electra part of the story of her like going where I was like, I'm out. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, this was all too confusing for an issue one for a new reader. And it yeah. was Mark Wade's Daredevil, so. Yeah, and, and again, it was, like I said, I just thought, um, 
it would be a little bit more new reader friendly and sadly right. it wasn't and as i mentioned before with that issue 650 that's coming up here shortly mm-hmm. um you know unfortunately it looks like you know they're really going to have to like wait to get out of the gates uh to get rolling on this hopefully issue 2 issue 3 we can kind of get into everything um i know the punisher series is only a 10 issue limited series um mm-hmm. so hopefully like that wraps up like however it's going to work it's just like, yeah, I had different expectations for this book. Right. Two things. On one on the Punisher. I wonder if they're even going to go head to head. I mean, it would be money because that's what you want. But mm. it, over in Punisher, it looks like he's making a run for it and he doesn't want to be a part of the hand anymore. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he's going to end up helping uh, Matt and Electra take down the hand. Right. So with, that's a way you could go. And then last week, and you're like, oh, I'm surprised Daredevil isn't on your pool list, like what we're looking forward to. And I'm like, you know, sometimes those Marvel number ones aren't a great jumping on point. And you're like, touche. And I'm like, well, I feel I feel vindicated, Joe. <laughs> so, yeah, and you should be. You should yeah. be. Uh, but yeah, Punisher 4 was good, too. Um, you know, obviously, as, as Todd mentioned, it looks like uh, Frank is getting to make, uh, uh, make a run for it. We're starting to see that uh, his right-hand woman at the hand, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, may not have had the best intentions for luring the Punisher to lead the hand. Right. And Frank is now, four issues in, just realizing, like, hey, the hand might be the bad guys. I may have made a deal with the devil. <laughs> it's the it's the scene from Arrested Development with Job where he says, I've made a huge mistake. Yes, over and over again. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so that was good. That doesn't count as a review, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we uh, are looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them delivered to your home, whether you go pick them up digitally, however you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Uh, let's see what we could do about narrowing this down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is New Fantastic Four? New Fantastic Four is that book written by Peter David going back to the uh, when Ghost Rider... Wolverine, Grey Hulk, and uh, Spider-Man were the Fantastic Four for those three issues. Yes. And this is like that story again. Like they get pulled together through mystical means to recreate that Fantastic Four to go on an adventure. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to guess, again... Uh, I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Nightwing. It is Nightwing. There's not much like in these issues to choose from um, that like will really blow me away. So I'm always a Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo guy. So uh, by default, that's the issue. Um, Is the issue you're looking forward to most uh, do a powerbomb number two? It is. It is. I enjoyed the first issue. Uh, I like the little world that it's set up, and uh, I'm eager to see what happens next. It's a uh, seven-issue mini-series, maxi-series, whatever series. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the first issue. And uh, if I had a runner-up, it would have been Nightwing. Right. 
So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or uh, the following uh, standings in the replacement for Todd and Joe Have Issues, which is the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, uh, attempting to determine who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Obviously, The Flash has the best. Todd thinks Batman has the second best. I think Spider-Man has the second best. Um, currently, a little bit more than halfway through the tournament, there's more Batman people in there than Spider-Man people. But I think the Spider-Man people that are in there are strong contenders. Mm. But they're not Hostess Fruit Pie good, though. No, no. What was the Spider-Man or what was the Spider-Man one that I'd sent out uh, to you that you'd replied with the uh, <laughs> the uh, director? I can't think of uh, uh, the crime director. Yeah. Uh, so you had host. What was yours? Hostess Fruit Pies. Yes. No, they were both the Hostess uh, Ding Dongs or cupcakes or whatever they were. Right. I mean, it's those ads. There were different stuff that they did. I don't. I, I don't know, Todd. Ralph G. Fake. The Legal Eagle, which is essentially just, like, the vulture with, like, uh, like the, I don't know. Like, he's like, I don't know, he's the vulture, but he's a lawyer, too. I don't know. I don't know. I do like the uh, the crime director with his, uh, beret, his pink beret, and, oh, it's so good. And I ended up going down that rabbit hole for a little bit, Joe. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. We should have done uh, those villains. Well, there's always next year. True, true. Uh, but moving on, uh, this time, the Dodo Man, uh, mm. who got a first round by, um, I think I did throw my support behind Glass Man, because I felt as though he'd be an easier one to take off. Uh, I did try to go and find different pictures for the folks uh, for these, you know, every time we come around on these, and I think I'm doing a better job of those. Uh, but yeah, Dodo Man moves on to the next round, and uh, this time we do have a true Batman versus Spider-Man matchup. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I have the new character coming in here. Um, would you like to uh, give a go on Magpie again? Yeah, just as we always do the short, short version. Uh, Magpie is a woman who just feels that she should have pretty things, just like the magpie is attracted to shiny objects. That's her whole spiel is she's a dumbed down bird version of Catwoman. So there's your there's your short pitch. So just lame. Uh, what's your uh, Spider-Man villain? So my Spider-Man villain, Todd, is Dr. Bart Hamilton. Uh, he is a psychiatrist uh, who was uh, tasked with curing uh, uh, Harry Osborne, not Norman Osborne, Harry Osborne, of his insanity. Right. However, in talking to Harry Osborne about his delusions of grandeur and his time as the Green Goblin, Bart Hamilton got the idea... What if I hypnotize Harry Osborn and make him forget that he was the Green Goblin? And then I become the Green Goblin. I'll get all the information about where, like, the hideouts are and all the other stuff. And I'll go and I'll become the Green Goblin. Because it sounds like a good deal, right? This insane person is telling me about it. I'll become the Green Goblin. And uh, who's the current kingpin of crime? The Silvermane? 
I'll go take Silvermane down and just like Norman Osborn before tried and failed to become the kingpin of crime. Do you remember that's what Green Goblin's initial plan was? Like yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be the kingpin of crime? A lot of people forget that. Right. Then he gets obsessed with Peter, man. Yes. So he's going to go and do that, but here's the problem. With all of his uh attempting to help Harry and then hypnotizing him to make him forget uh that he was the Green Goblin. He didn't let Harry tell the entire story. He didn't get to the part in the story where you have to take the goblin serum to get the super Wolverine healing powers, the super strength, and become insane. Mm -hmm. So he was just a guy in a suit trying to take down the current kingpin of crime, Silvermane. He was defeated handily. And then when Norman Osborn found out uh, what he had been trying to do to his son, uh, Norman uh, came and uh, killed him. Right. Did now, he kill him, or was it just one of those? I was going to, but he he fumbled the ball himself. No, it was one of those deals where um, there was like they were fighting. There was an explosion, and only Norman walked out. Okay. Um. So it's presumed, and I or said Norman. It was it was it was Harry who like got his memories back, and Harry's okay. like, "I'm going to kill you." Uh, Bart Hamilton had like a little detonator thing. Mm-hmm detonated it but it knocked him back and it knocked peter and harry out of the building so it's assumed that he died in the explosion now he did come back in the more recent clone conspiracy storyline but that's not the clone spider-man saga so that one really doesn't count um but yeah so he is a failed attempt to uh become the green goblin he's officially green goblin number three right um, now, my my is it my chance to try and take the wind out of your sails a little bit? Sure. Okay. Now, I want you to go and to talk to the retailer when you go to the comic shop and ask whether or not Bart Hamilton was cool as the Green Goblin. Because that's one of his favorite storylines. Because the whole time, everybody thought it was Harry. And mm-hmm. then it's revealed, and he's like, that's actually really a really cool idea. And I know he's... You know, he doesn't think it through, but that's his whole point is it's like, okay, he's he's not a great Green Goblin, but the whole story works and he loves him. So I'm like, you know what? If true Spider-Man aficionados, not like you and not true aficionado, likes this Green Goblin story, um, he's the perfect villain for the perfect situation. So he works in it. And and show me a, a Green Goblin that isn't cool. I don't know. Just visually, they always kind of look. He's the he's the bar that other that's set for other spider villains. So I think just even having the gear and the look, people are going to be like, "Yeah, all green goblins are cool." So I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for the I'm gonna vote for Magpie because all green goblins are inherently cool. Well, I will say this: uh, while I do agree uh with your statement that the green goblin himself is cool uh it does help that the person underneath it is cool i could have chosen um harry uric's or uh uh uric's nephew or whatever who becomes like the baby face green goblin who has like the sonic scream that debuted during the clone saga but again he's the baby face green goblin he definitely wasn't cool um it's a lot about the man underneath you know, about, like, who's behind the goblin. Police, cops, no, and Harry or Norman. Um, 
That being said, while Magpie in the comics are lame, she is a inspiring enough character that she has made it into cross media things and is still relevant to this day because it's harder to find a lame picture of her than it is to find the only pictures that exist of Bart Hamilton, which are all lame because people do try to uh, kind of salvage Magpie into a cool character still to this day. Yeah, and they're not succeeding, but Bart well, Hamilton. They're, they're still really, trying. You don't you don't see outside of our local retailer, you don't see many people being like, I'm a Bart Hamilton stan. Uh, well, he's a one and done. That's the point of this story. Yeah. You know? We're magpied. Here's stupidity can span generations. Sure. So the voting will go up tomorrow. The post is already ready to go. I just got to hit click and put it out to the to the viewing uh, public here. Um, but vote uh, and vote wisely is all I say. Yep. Uh, so, Todd, did we have any uh, art attacks this week? We did. Fred Chamberlain tweeted out. He said, this just arrived. A friend made me aware that a retailer put it up for sale online. Seeing Jose Luis Garcia Lopez take on the Hulk. Leaves one wondering about all of the possibilities that we could have seen had he done work for Marvel. And it's a page from the uh, Batman Hulk team up, uh, uh, the oversized treasury editions. Um, it's one of the few times that uh, Jose has drawn a Marvel character that I know of, unless, you know, someone asked him to at a, at a con or whatever like that. Um, and I mean, is there anything really I have to say about Jose's art that we haven't said already? All right, I'll say it. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I will say this, of course, I love seeing, like, an original old-school page like this, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I noticed the most is the Hulk's hair. Right. Uh, especially during that time, like, the Hulk would kind of have, like, an unmovable mop top that would be, like, more, like, chunky, if that makes sense. It would look, like, it would come across that he had thicker hair, if that makes any sense. Right, well, this is just flowing in the wind, Hulk hair. Yeah, yeah, so that's just, like, just, like, such a little bit different of a thought process, a little bit different way of doing that sort of thing, and it's just very noticeable and very cool. Yes, and but it's always weird to see, and I don't mean weird uh, because it's bad, but, like, weird to see a Marvel character in Jose style, just because I will always equate him as a DC guy, you know, like always, always, always for sure. Um, and then the only other one we have is, uh, from me. Uh, I was at the garden state comic fest last weekend about this Scott Collins, Jonah hex piece. I would have chosen a flash rogue, but then I would have had to buy them all and I'd be out of pocket, a lot, a lot of money, but he did this pre-done piece. He brought it to the show. I really like the idea because it's not a character you would think he would, you know, like he's, he's done or like his take on it. But I think he did a really cool version of Jonah firing, you know, being fired upon and firing back in the rain on a horse with like his ink wash style. Um, I think he knocked it out of the park and uh, put a lot into it. And it doesn't look as smooth as his other, like, like his rogues or his Spider-Man or his Avengers stuff. he, he went a little grittier, which is different to me. And I really like that. Yeah. Cause I, I will say with a lot of his, uh, Scott's other stuff and Scott's one of my favorite artists, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this is an amazing piece. Uh, so much of his other stuff, you know, you mentioned about the ink wash style, um, the character, the physic, the, the, the physical body of the character usually has a lot more white in it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, you know, obviously, even in the black and white piece, you're going to get a lot more white that pops in it. You're going to get a little, a little bit more detail, a lot a little bit more design. But obviously, a character like Jonah Hex, he's on a horse. It's in the pouring rain. It's so on and so forth. So it's going to be so heavily dark and so heavily inked uh, that it's going to convey that character. And as you mentioned, a uh, character that I don't think Scott Collins has ever drawn ever, right. uh, at least in a published work. Uh, that he took a character that he probably has little to no familiarity with and literally knocked it out of the park with an unmistakable picture of that. Like, if you, it's not like you can't show that to a comic book fan and not understand exactly who that is. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, he did amazing work, and that's a fantastic piece. And Thank you. if that's not framed by now, it should be. Uh, I have a portfolio that's easy to steal with all my heart in it. Oh, perfect. So, yep. Uh, so, yeah, if you are uh, headed to a convention anytime soon uh, here this weekend, if you're going to San Diego or you yourself are a burgeoning artist or what have you, you know, don't forget to uh, put that stuff out on social media. Tag Todd's Art Attack and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of our uh, listening world. Yep. Speaking of San Diego, I didn't mean to get off track. Uh, was there any exclusives that you were looking for? Um, well, so that's the thing. All the exclusives of are eventually available to pop up online, you know? Right. Do you mean aftermarket eBay or these are shared exclusives? Shared. Like everything these, there's, there's very few just San Diego exclusives these days. There's right. a lot of stuff where it's available the Thursday, like the Wednesday, Thursday, like is th Wednesday's preview day or Thursday's preview day. Wednesday's preview day. Right? So it's a lot of the stuff is available Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday they go available to order online. Right. Because I know uh, the uh, Harper, uh, who's the Brody Lee? Is that his name? Yeah. Because I always remember his Harper because I knew him from there. That's an exclusive exclusive just to the show, though. Yeah. Because um, I saw it, a lot of people complaining about that one. Yeah. I, and again, that's. That's more for the At Odds with Wrestling show, but the very short of it is, um, it's a very lazy exclusive. Okay, fair enough. But uh, the other thing I saw was, because I don't know anything else, because I dodged bullets. Yeah. But my take on it was, was there anything that you were looking for? And I'm asking this now, so I can maybe, like if there's a way to buy them online that you want me to take a swing at it too. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> the one that I want everyone I know is taking a swing at. So if I don't get my own, uh, I'll be looking at somebody else who got two. Ooh, and, if two I, of them. and if I get two, then I'll be, you know, looking to unload them on the folks that may not have been able to get them, you know? All right. So you don't want me to try for anything. I just figured I'd help no. out. Okay. I did see Jason Aaron tweeted out that they're doing a long sleeve of the new Punisher logo. Okay. But it says like Punisher on the back of the shirt, like in real big letters. Right. And I'm like, nah, it's a long sleeve. I don't love the design. Mm -hmm. But is it an exclusive to the show or? He claims that it is, but I don't know. I think that's, you know, yeah. No, no, I remember New York. I remember sometimes at the Marvel Boots, uh, they would have exclusive exclusives. I remember getting like a rocket raccoon, like, years ago and there and yeah, no that mug yeah yeah but, yeah and it was a it was a plush and a mug um but none of that stuff ever popped up anywhere else right so but anyway 
No, I appreciate you asking. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be my first attempt at, like, you know, hitting the site at, like, tw- 12-0-0-0-0-0-1 on Friday. Planning super hopes. secret science lunch. Yeah. I might have to use the bathroom just to make sure, you know? That is true. Yeah. Um, so I think that's everything that we have there outside of the uh, season finale of Ms. Marvel, right? Um, did, was there any uh, Amazon purchases? Oh, hey. Uh, yeah, thank you. So, um, hey, head over to our store, buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, head over to our T Public store. The uh, 35% off sale is next week. So, you know, make your purchases then. Uh, sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. A dollar a month, five dollars a month is going to get you two exclusive podcasts from Todd and myself previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, uh, this month's previews catalog and Piero Mounties, the uh, films of independent filmmaker Mark Piero. Uh, you're also going to get uh, full scans professionally done of those previews catalogs. Um, like I said, all of 91 is up there. All of 92 is up there and most of 90 is up there. Um, it's even just like a great walk down memory lane to check those things out. $5 level, you're going to get early access to those podcasts and you're going to get, uh, after dark two days before everyone else. So you get to listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Uh, Another way that you can help us out is making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through banner, uh, at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Also the affiliate link is included in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. Uh, tons and tons of purchases. I did have to narrow it down just a little bit. Uh, obviously, any time that there's a grouping of gifts, a uh, grouping of gifts, a grouping of items or comic book purchases, they always get a mention. Uh, comic book purchases this past week include uh, Marvel Universe Map by Map, which is like a digital thing of maps of all the cities and places and things in the Marvel Universe. I'm a sucker for those, Joe. Yes. I love all that stuff. Yes. Atlases to DC and Marvel, I'm all over them. Right. So this is something that I didn't even know Marvel was still doing in the year of our Lord 2022, and I'm glad that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased something called the Marvel Book Expand Your Knowledge of a Vast Comics Universe. I guess like a trivia book of some kind. Okay. Uh, also, people purchased uh, Rogues number three, Jurassic League number three, Eight Billion Genies number three, A Town Called Terror number four, Punisher number four, and somebody also purchased Captain Carrot and his Amazing Zoo Crew number fifteen. You somebody go, boy or girl. Somebody purchased issue fourteen last week. Somebody issued purchased issue fifteen this week. <laughs> Maybe they've been purchasing them an issue like an issue a week, and they just figured out how to make those purchases through the Amazon uh, affiliate link. You know, I think that's what happened, but I don't care. I want to see if we get sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Gotcha. Uh, somebody also purchased the Amazon exclusive Bluey Mega Bundle Home Barbecue Playset with four figures. Uh, Todd, you don't have anyone in your life who's under five, so I'm sure you don't know who Bluey is. No, I have no idea. Kablooey? No, it's not Kablooey. (laughs) And then somebody's having a luau because they purchased 30 pieces Hawaiian luau hanging swirl party decorations. Uh, They also purchased a palm pineapple flamingo hibiscus dangle sign, uh, 55-piece Hawaiian party toy set, 
49-piece uh, Hawaiian tropical luau jungle party decoration set. Ooh. So like I said, somebody's having a, a luau party something. Uh, and I, if, this is the, if this is your way of inviting Todd and I, uh, we'll be there. That's right. And I'll bring the poo-poo platter, Joe. Oh, no. I'll bring the I'll bring the poi and the spam. Ooh, a poi boy. <laughs> no, that's my other co-host. Okay. Uh, so thank you to anyone and everyone who made any and all of these purchases through the Amazon click-through, whether it be this week, this month, this year, this whatever. Uh, it's all greatly appreciated. Yes. Now we can end the show and talk about the season finale of Ms. Marvel, correct? Yes, we can. One show. Right. And it's going to be one show for at least a month, right? Because we're not doing Sandman. Yeah. Executive decision uh, might come up on uh, After Dark. So if Todd needs to swear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked this episode as I felt as though we were back to the stuff that I liked the most about the first couple episodes, which was Kamala interacting and doing adventures with her friends. Right. Um, I didn't care so much about the traveling stuff. I didn't care so much about the family stuff, but I understand all that stuff needed to happen for us to get to this point where she could finalize and have these adventures with her family, with her friends and so forth. Right. Right. Um, I liked the, with the family part, I liked her ended up getting the official Ms. Marvel costume, which out of all of them might be the most authentic of all the cinematic universe, Marvel costumes. So, uh, pretty solid. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts and go through everything. I like that the mom was finally on board with everything. Um, you know, obviously because she was against the, her past, which is what directly relates to what Kamala has here. I loved seeing that bit of the mother having the confidence, accepting what Kamala has with these powers, giving her the costume that helped her uh, kind of be more confident in her powers and use them to a much better effect. Right. Uh, and then, of course, we get the bit where, uh, from the end of the previous episode, Comron shows up to Bruno. The convenient mark that Bruno works out gets blowed up by the damage control people because, of course, they're after Comron. They... Um, uh, let me ask you a question. Was it, was it them or was it Comron not being able to control his powers? Hmm. How he was having the explosions and stuff, and they're like, we got to get you out of here? Uh, I don't, you know what, I feel it might have been like one exacerbated the other. Right, I'm just saying I feel that it was Cameron's powers. Yeah. Well, you know what it was? I'm looking back in something that I have my, my the, the thing here, and it says in the episode before um, that after being attacked by a drone, Cameron destroys it. But the ensuing ex explosion obliterates the store below them. So I'm wondering if it's a little from column A, a little yeah. from column B. You know? Okay. That's sorry about that. No, no. So I, I knew it was like one begat the other. You know what I mean? Right, right. So Kamal and the rest of her friends are doing what they can to hide Kamran from the damage control people that are after him. And Kamala, of course, is also trying to keep it a secret that Kamran's mother died, essentially sacrificing herself to save Kamala while they were over in uh, Pakistan. Yes. So from there, uh, finally it comes out where Kamran kind of pushes the issue 
Kamala needs to admit to him at that point what happens. He handles it very poorly, and then that causes damage control to kind of get a little bit of a drop on them. Um, but, of course, because uh, who's the Flash Thompson girl? Is it Zoe? Zoe. So Zoe, with all the social media followers, she's able to signal boost what's going on, that damage control is after Kamala, a.k.a. Light Girl. Uh, Nightlight. Nightlight. Nightlight, who she is still known as. So, of course, the as damage control is closing in on Kamala and her group of friends, the local police and the community and everything else kind of step in front of them. Uh, our lead damage control person gets a call from back at damage control headquarters, essentially just says, you blew it. You're off the case. You're done. You know, stop the mission. You know, there's nothing we can do at this point. Uh, but but while they were holed up in the school, I love them doing the plan to kind of buy them some time. Um, that was the sort of feeling and the kinetic energy from like the first two episodes that was missing from like episodes three, four, and five. A classic Kamala Khan plan with like yes. the, the chalkboard and everything. I, I agree with you. I really like that. And as ridiculous as it was, it was fun to, to watch. You know what I mean? So I'm with you. Right. And I knew the, like, even I think uh, Kamala knew the plan wasn't going to work and stop them. It was just going to hopefully slow them down, which it did, you know? Right. So they could distract them and get uh, Cameron to the Red Daggers, even though, you know, they were enemies. You know what I mean? Um, she's like, we're going to send him there and he'll be safe kind of a deal. So I like that. Uh, right. So uh, everything's taken care of. Um, you know, uh, the social media is a buzz with Kamala. And uh, um, one thing I like, too, was yeah. that she sits down and has the conversation on the roof with her father. Yes, that's where I was getting to go. Oh, and she ends up talking. He's like, well, Nightlight's a terrible name. And they end up talking about, like, you know, Kamala, they, they wanted to have the child after their firstborn. And it wasn't working. And then we ended up, uh, you know, uh, naming you Kamala because you were a little miracle, a little Marvel. You are a little Miss Marvel. And as like naming a character is like really tricky sometimes and working in wh how, why or how you're going to call it just the, 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 the touching father daughter discussion makes it totally work for me. And that's all you need to do is get it once in there. And then now she's Ms. Marvel from here on out. And I really, really, really like that. Like you said, is the heart of Ms. Marvel, her family, her friends and doing what she's doing. And that just makes it a little cooler for me. Right. So then we get a bit where it's a week later. Comron uh, has left. Uh, he's fled the country, but he left his fancy car. Uh, Bruno and Nakia are kind of bickering back and forth over it. He's going to take the car with him out to California. Nakia says that it needs to stay with them in Jersey City. Um, Bruno also says something to Kamala um, that there's uh, something that seemed off in those tests, right? Mm -hmm. um, as to why the bangle reacted to her. Now, right. I saw people on social media. So I, from the comic, we know Kamala is an inhuman, right? Right. They don't say it in the show, but I think everyone online has just kind of assumed that that's what she is. Because of this moment? 
because of this moment. No, she's a mutant. Are you sure? Oh, go back and watch it. When okay. Br- when Bruno says your family, like, oh, we don't understand. Like, I, I thought the, you know, the power was in you or something, but your family should all have the power. There's something different in you. It's a mutation. And then you hear, near, near, near. you hear the X-Men theme song. Okay. Like, so I must have missed the X-Men theme song play. Right. When Xavier, like when Xavier did it in Doctor Strange, it's that exact same one. And they, and she goes, I don't care. Whatever it is, it's just going to be another label like the, you know, the, the racism against mutants, like they're foreshadowing. She's like, ah, oh, it'll be another label. I'm like, it's going to be more of a label than you can ever understand, Kamala. Um, oh. I think in the comics, she wasn't inhuman. Then she was right. a mutant. So all that stuff, don't care. This is them dropping the M word for the first time. In the main Marvel cinematic stuff. Yes, that's what I mean. Yes. Other okay. than Xavier showing up, you know, they don't say he's a mutant, I don't think. Okay. I can't believe I missed the uh, music, but that's what I get for, uh, you know, maybe not listening with the earbuds in, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? You get distracted. Somebody probably tweeted you about some belt or trunks or toy wrestler or something. No, no. Listen, when I watch my stuff, you know, no distractions, you know? Okay. Focus. Um, Focus. Uh, but the uh, show ends. Kamala comes home. She goes into her room. Um, the bangle starts to react. Uh, then all of a sudden she disappears and is replaced by Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. Yep. Uh, Captain Marvel looks around the room, sees that she's in an unfamiliar place and a place of someone that worshipped her very much. Uh, and then it just says... Uh, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel will return in the Marvels, which is Captain Marvel 2. Yep, yep, yep. Which, uh, do you have any theories on what happened there, or? I have absolutely no clue. I think it has to do with, uh, and especially why they're dropping, uh, this new miniseries with, uh, Genus, Captain Marvel. I think with the bands, uh, she's trading places with Ms. Marvel somehow. Mm. You know how, like, uh, uh, who, Rick Jones? Did it with the original Captain Marvel and then Gina's Marvel. I think they're going to do that negaverse, negative verse body switcheroo. And we saw it. And they have to find the other band. So when they clang them, they can trade places. Something like it's not controllable right now. So um, where's that, this uh, Genus Vell show from, coming from? No, Genus Vell comic. They're starting to push all oh, that. comic. I thought you said there was a show coming. I'm like, no, wait no, a minute. No, I'm sorry, where, uh, where they're doing like a lot of like, whenever they, whenever a movie's coming out or a TV show, nowadays I really look at what they're pushing several months beforehand and it really is like a, a tell anymore. And they're trying to do that, like, you know, the body swap thing in comics. And I'm like, okay, I would not be surprised if Gina's Vell makes an appearance in this somehow in the, in the movies. Um, but that's just my take on it, that they're doing the body swap things. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but that's a great theory. Yep. So I just like dropping theories. I have no idea why. Right. Uh, so I think that's it. Yeah, that's everything. Short show. Just like you predicted. Another mm-hmm. prediction. Oh, <laughs> I'm a uh, Nostratatus. So that's my, you know, I could see the future. Did Kreskin make uh, uh, predictions, or was he, was he just a mentalist? I think he was just mental. 
Oh, okay. It's, yes. Did he bend spoons? No, that was uh, Yuri Geller. Okay, because I bend spoons when I put too much food on them, Joe. Mm-hmm. That's not how Yuri Geller did it. <laughs> right. But anyway. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 615 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. 